book one another and uh, I kind of strategically um, chose this book because it leads up to family camp and it's going to uh, actually be similar to what we're trying to convey at family camp and, and being together as a, as a unit and working together and loving our church. And so we've had many different uh, lessons so far talking about how to together work together as, uh, as church members. And let me see if I can find the outline here. Lesson one was just members one of another, then how to love one another, how to admonish one another. That was an interesting uh, lesson. Serve one another, to be kind one to another, forgive one another. Last week was comfort one another, and this week a very important lesson, how to edify one another. And... Um, so before we get started, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come before you looking at the subject of edification, building up one another. And uh, Lord, so many times there's tearing down in churches and tearing down of people. And, and uh, Father, may we learn how to, to build rather than to tear down. May we be strong one with another as we build in the church that we're unified together and uh, that we feel comfortable here with each other, that we've, we know that each of us got our, our backs, that we can deal with things together, that we care for one another, we love one another, and that we'll build one another up. And so, Father, we pray for that in our church. Uh, Lord, may you work through this uh, message, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Do I have a volunteer to look up Romans chapter 14? John, and I want you to read verses 16 through 23. That's the text of our verse. And kind of the overview is, as it says in the book here, God wants us to pursue peace in our relationships with one another, to preserve the unity of the church in the study. We're going to learn how to live peaceably one another and how we can avoid causing others to stumble through edification, we will help others to grow in spiritual maturity. So our goals are to determine to live peaceably with others, to purpose to guard their testimony, to avoid offense to others, engage in helping others to spiritual maturity through edification. John, if you would, read our text. Oh, <laughs> Someone tore that, and someone wants to tear up the church. <laughs> the edification scripture. Go ahead, Amy. 16 to 23? Or? Yes. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. 
And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. All right, as an introduction. Charlie Brown was at Lucy's Psychiatric Help Five Cents booth and told her, I have deep feelings of depression. What can I do about this? Lucy bluntly said, snap out of it. Five cents, please. <laughs> in another strip, Lucy told Charlie Brown, I'm not sure what happiness means, but I look in your eyes and I know that it isn't there. Edification is something every one of us needs. To edify means to build up. In our text today, it refers specifically to building up or encouraging someone in the faith or in his process of growth. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans to the church at Rome. And some things we, we don't think about, uh, which indeed included both Jewish and Gentile believers. The Gentile believers were saved out of pagan backgrounds and had different views on topics such as observing holy days and eating meat that had been dedicated to idols before being sold in the marketplace than the Jewish believers did. The Jews were appalled by the Gentiles eating meat, which was associated with idol worship. The Gentiles were appalled by the Jews' practices of making one day more holy than another. The Jew and Gentile believers had a choice to make. They could tear each other apart or learn to edify one another. In Romans 14, Paul wrote to challenge them to grow in grace and be willing to lay aside lifestyle habits that could be offensive to other believers. He challenged them to be willing to limit their liberty in a spirit of maturity to edify their brothers and sisters in Christ. In a church family, our differences can either harm the church or bring harmony to it, depending on how we handle them. God calls us to be a people who edify and build one another up in the faith. Now, we have those same difficulties today. We have People have strong beliefs in certain directions, and there's opposing beliefs in other directions. It's not a big deal, uh, but our tendency is to, uh, to fight or tear down what somebody believes um, and, and support like what you think um, rather than try to go in the spirit of how do we just edify one another and not make these things an issue. First of all, we have the what of edification. Good guess, but no. Passion. Did I spell that right? All right, the passion of edification. Becoming an edifying person never happens by accident. It comes when we genuinely care about those around us and follow God's instructions for living an edifying life. And let me give you just a, an example today. Maybe it's because I was like looking at this lesson. But, you know, sometimes we think things in our mind, but we don't voice them. Well, Andy came in, and, and I just told him I appreciated his faithfulness. I know... He's sick, but he still comes. He's still trying to support me and help me in the work, and he's faithful to that, and I acknowledge that to him, and he thanked me uh, for preaching. And, you know, that's just a, like an edification. You know, a lot of times we, we have these things in our mind, but we don't seek to, to edify and just let somebody know. Now, and I can, you know, get the flattery and things like that. I'm not talking about that, but sometimes you just need to uh, 
edify one another. Thank them. You know, and I included John. You know, John comes and just he's just really trying hard to, uh, to support. You know, that's the, it's purposeful is what this is saying. You know, you've got the purpose to do these things. We have to do it by living or live. Here's the goal. Peaceably. Live peaceably. <laughs> oh, verse 19 of our text instructs us to follow after the things which make for peace. To follow after is to run after, to pursue, to seek after eagerly. Are you actively pursuing peace? Do you purposefully seek to edify your spouse, children, or coworkers? It's pretty interesting. I remember Pastor Cornette and one of the, the men in the, he never, I would say he, he never, you wouldn't recognize him as somebody who was seeking after peace. He always had some sort of thing he was trying to get across. And Pastor Cornette, he's very, very kind and soft. He, he was a man who you would say would seek after peace. He understood what that was. I mean, he had an experience in his life that he would talk about of how he was abrupt and how God brought peace to his life, how to look at ministering. Well, this fella started on and on, and this would have went with the lesson of uh, admonishing. <laughs> and it was a whole group of guys, and he's just up on the hobby horse, and he's just, oh, this and this and this and this. And, and Pastor Cornette, soft as he was, he said, well, maybe we should just kill him. <laughs> you know, just, and everything just stopped. <laughs> But, you know, we need to seek after peace. Do you purposefully seek to edify your spouse, your children, your coworkers? It's difficult to live peaceably with others around us, even in our own homes. Someone once said, if we could just get everyone to close their eyes and visualize world peace for an hour, imagine how serene and quiet it would be until the looting started. Romans 14 gives us four steps to living peaceably. Four steps. Stop. First one is stop living for self. We will never be a peaceable person if we are focused on ourselves. Romans 14, 7 through 8, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. We need to be mindful that our lives affect others. You know, I've been kind of sensitive to that, you know. I mean, just simple little things like um, <laughs> we had kind of a tough ball game and a lot of grumble soup, you know. And uh, you know who gets the brunt of that? The family. Don't talk to me. You know, that, that, this, this happened, that happened, blah, 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 blah. It affects, affects others, doesn't it? Matter of fact, Tim asked me, he said, because John was driving to work with me next day, he said, how'd that conversation go in the car on the way to work? <laughs> uh, our lives affect others, both to the lost and the saved. When we seek to live for the glory of the Lord, not fulfillment of self, we will be able to follow after peace with one another. Number two, realize the gospel is the focus. The gospel is the focus. 
For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. You know, we might win an argument with someone at work, but lose the opportunity to share the gospel with him. Satan would like to get the church bickering over petty things and lose sight of our real purpose, telling of the peace that salvation brings. Jesus Christ came with a single focus, to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. All right, this one's just for you, Andy, since you're a baseball, big baseball fan. During the baseball 1957 World Series, Milwaukee Braves star slugger Hank Aaron came up to the plate to bat when New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra tried to distract him and get, get inside his head. Turn your bout around, Hank, Berra razzed him. Don't you know you're always supposed to see the trademark? Aaron silently stood at his place, then launched the pitch past the outfield fence for a home run. As he touched home plate after rounding the bases, he looked at Barra and said, I didn't come up here to read, I came up here to hit. Focus makes a difference. And when you bring someone to Jesus, you are doing what matters most. We, do, we don't want to get off of that so easy. We need to see people as lost or saved, and we need to need to see life like that. Remember that all things will get settled at the judgment seat of Christ. This is the third point of how to live peaceably. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. That's Romans 14, 10 through 12. To judge in verse 10 means to be contentious, to dispute with others. And to set at naught means to despise utterly. If we know that we will eventually have to give an account of how we lived our lives for Christ, we would not be so quick to dispute with or despise others. And then the fourth way, avoid causing others to stumble. Romans 14, 13 through 15, as we continued uh, from Romans 14, 10 through 12, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 8 through 9. But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. Paul tells the Gentile believers that while they might have the liberty to take meat, they should not do so if that action is going to offend the Jewish believers in the church. As believers, our liberty in Christ should cause us to lovingly serve one another, not selfishly exert our right to do what we want. I was reading uh, a book, The Resurrection Factor, and Josh McDowell had made the statement about liberty 
And he said, liberty is, is not the ability to do what you want to do. He said, I did that before. I would say I could do whatever I wanted to do. But it's the power to do what you ought to do. And he said, that I didn't have before I was saved. Warren Wearsby said, there's nothing we should judge. We should judge ourselves to see whether we are abusing our Christian liberty and making others stumble. Certainly nothing is unclean of itself, but some practices and habits are considered unclean by others. Therefore, if we deliberately do something that makes our brother stumble, we're not living according to the rule of love. If we are going to live peaceably with one another, we must not cause others to stumble in their Christian walk. Rather, our testimony should help others to walk in peace after Christ. So we have live peaceably, and then we have build strongly. Not such easy ones this week, is it? Life, living a life of edification involves not only living peaceably, but also building up strongly. To edify means to build. If you think of the word edifice, refers to a building, that's the same idea here. Verse 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. We are to purposely looking for ways to edify or build up one another. And it, there's such a need for that, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about it today, you know, just living the Christian life. If there's anything we need is edification just to, to keep going. Each of us has a sphere of influence and is able to edify someone else. As a parent, you can edify your child or as a husband or a wife, you can build up your spouse through your spoken word. According to leadership in turbulent times, an essay book about four different presidents, Abraham Lincoln learned to become an orator at a young age through listening to the Baptist preachers of Illinois who challenged him both in his delivery style and his speech content. We never know who we might edify with our speech and with our lives. Who knows if the encouraging words you say in a random moment might make a profound difference in someone's life. Okay, who's, uh, anybody North Carolina fans here? Uh, all right, this one's for you, Jace. North Carolina basketball coach Dean Smith instituted a point-to-the-passer rule for his players. Every time a player scored, he would acknowledge the teammate who assisted the basket by pointing towards them. Smith said, I was so tired of the star always being the one who scored the most points. I wanted to reward the passer. Eventually, the rule became known as the Bobby Jones rule, named after one of Smith's players who had received a beautiful pass but missed the layup, yet acknowledging his teammates' help. When something good happens to you, instead of taking credit for yourself, you could edify another by acknowledging how they helped you with that accomplishment. You know, this is something very practical. We can, we can practice this week, just put on our minds to do this. As important as edification is to the church, it will never happen by accident. We must purposefully live peaceably and build strongly. So we have the passion of edification, and it's going to start with a P. Priorities. Priorities of edification. To successfully edify one another, we need to make it a priority in our lives. How do we do this? 
live without offense. Live without offense. And I spelled that wrong. Verse 21 instructs us to avoid partaking of any activity that would cause a fellow Christian to be offended or made weak. When we offend someone in our manner of lifestyle, we violate Scripture and abuse the liberty we have in Christ. We end up tearing down a fellow believer rather than building him up. The goal under grace is not to do what we may be free to do, but to avoid causing offense to others. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace is not our license to live as we please. Instead, grace teaches us that God works in our hearts, enabling us to live soberly and righteously so that we will not be an offense or stumbling block to others. If we offend a young Christian by the things that we say or do, it will be more difficult for us to recover him. None of us are perfect. And we will, of course, stumble from time to time, but we should seek to avoid what we know could cause another to stumble. Our actions have ripple effects on others. They will either be destructive or helpful. Being aware of this motivates us to live with a godly testimony. So we live without offense, and we need to live with faith. Live with faith. Verse 22 through 23 deals with our conscience and the things that we do. Whatever activity we consider getting involved in, especially one that is questionable, we need to be sure that we can do it in faith, can we do the activity knowing that it pleases God? Verse 22 says, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Our faith is built upon truth. We need to stay true to our beliefs or convictions formed by our faith. As a believer, we have the Holy Spirit to convict and guide us in our actions. If he convicts you against a particular action, you should avoid doing it. If you are dealing with something questionable, ask yourself if you can do that thing in good faith before the Lord with before the Lord without condemning yourself. Verse 22 tells us, happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. When we do something in doubt, we go against our convictions and end up sinning by hurting our conscience. 1 Corinthians 8:7. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled if you know something is wrong yet you continue to do it you eventually feel less strongly about the conviction you once had about it and your conscience becomes defiled we see that a lot where do you see the church and you see the tumbling of it? It's, it's kind of, that's, that's how, it, how it happens. We stop with our convictions and, and things and we just allow things and pretty soon we have all sorts of reasons to say why we do or don't do things. 
we ought to have a conscience that is tender toward God's voice and examine carefully if we can carry out our actions in faith. Going against what God has laid on our heart is always wrong, regardless of the specific issue. The guiding principles in the Bible are very clear. If something disobeys God's word, it is wrong. If it violates our conscience before God, it is also wrong. So we have the passion of edification, the priority of edification. And I guess you know this is going to start with a P. These aren't easy ones this summer. Perfection. Very good. The perfection of edification. When we speak of perfection of edification, we do not mean we are perfect people. The word perfection here means mature or complete. Uh, we talked about Peter this morning. You know, he went through a whole realm of perfection, but when he wrote, he was a mature, he was a perfected Christian. Through spiritual edification, we can complete and mature one another. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we have what of edification? Debbie is not here. I saw I'll give you a hint. Teachers. Teachers of edification. If we notice in Ephesians 4.11, God gives specific roles and offices to the church to help believers grow. Some of the roles, such as apostles and prophets, were temporary. The apostles, who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ, lived and died in the first century. The prophets once gave revelatory messages to the church. But with the completed Bible, we no longer need the office of an apostle or a prophet to give us revelation. Some of the God-given roles to the church, however, still continue today. These include evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. A pastor is an overseer who is to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. He is also a teacher of the flock. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them which have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, and they, and they that must give account, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. The Bible instructs us to obey those that have the rule over us. God has given us church pastors and teachers who have the divine authority of imparting God's infallible word. We live in a society that is suspicious of all authority. Some are hostile and disrespectful toward their bosses at work or toward their political leaders. We should never bring such an attitude in our relationship with our pastor. God has ordained that the pastor preach his word, and when he lovingly admonishes us according to the Bible, we ought to submit ourselves 
to his spiritual authority. One day our pastor will have to give an account to God for the church, and it will be wise for us to respond to his care and instruction in our lives. That ought to make a pastor think about trying to build just for numbers' sake. <laughs> Teachers of edification, and then we have what? It starts with a T. Testimony of edification. When we are growing in our Christian walk, following our God-given leaders and encouraging others, there will be a clear proof of our testimony. Ephesians 4.12 tells us that we are not alone in our growth and maturity. Other spiritual Christians have a role in perfecting us or helping to bring us to maturity. God gives us evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Christians who are spiritual should be helping to bring others to spiritual maturity. We want to mature then in our Christian walk, not only for ourselves, but also to be involved in the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4.12 gives us the reason for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word edifying here is derived from the Greek word okidome, which means building up a house, building upon a foundation. Ha-ha, there you go. Don't let your minds wander. That's going to get done, and it's time. Okay, settle down. The church's greatest building project, and this is to us, <laughs> isn't buildings, but the lives of Christians. This is not only a job for pastors, but a responsibility that each Christian should take part in. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Even so ye... For as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. As we minister grace to others and edify one another, we contribute to the unity of the church. A number of years ago, a preacher went to the Champness Hall in Yorkshire, England, to hear the noted cellist and conductor, Sir John Barbaroli, lead the symphony. A friend sitting nearby looked out at the vast crowd in the Great Hall and asked the preacher, when we will see the Champness Hall filled to capacity for a Christian service? The pastor pointed to the members of the orchestra playing on the stage and said, when we see 80 men willing to give absolute obedience to the will of Christ, as these give to Bear Buroli. Imagine the great things we could accomplish as a church if we follow our director, the Lord Jesus Christ, in unity and seek to edify one another. The perfection of education is the maturity of the believer. Let us seek to be perfected in our faith that we can serve in the ministry and edify the body of Christ. The conclusion, the life of edification, begins with living peaceably. Are your relationships characterized by peace? Sila. <laughs> Are you living without offense toward others so you can be an edifying influence in their lives? 
We should also be actively seeking out ways to build up one another. It could be by saying something, uplifting to someone who is discouraged or just showing your appreciation to a coworker. May we seek to hear God's word and apply it in our lives so that we can grow in our spiritual maturity and fulfill God's plan, the edification of the church. We live in a world filled with discouragement. <laughs> Satan himself actively seeks to destroy your life, and he would love for you to tear down others with your words or actions. Christ, however, came to give life, and life more abundantly, John 10.10. 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Christ calls us, his people, to be life-giving builders of one another's faith. Every day we have the choice to be a destroyer or an edifier. We can tear down with our words and actions. We can cause others to stumble as we misuse our liberty, or we can purposefully seek ways to build up and encourage one another. Take up the challenge to be the edifier that God calls you to be. So that concludes the message on edification. What an important message that is. What a challenge that is. But it's very practical. These are... These are things we can do. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's in us. We just need to think about it, and then we need to just do it. Um, there's, there's several ways we can edify people. For that, they talked in the scriptures about this thing with the meat and the idols and the holy days and stuff that they struggled with. I wonder if we had any ideas of what kind of different things we struggle with, if that we see in the church. And maybe this is a bad subject to open up. I don't know. But Patty's going to open it up. <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. You want to just dress. Yeah. Um, sometimes, how many kids you have? Um, crazy things like that. Mm -hmm. Recently, Get your COVID vaccine. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a, how people feel about that. Anything else you see that's gets that gets in the way of unity in the church? Sports. Sports. <laughs> Child rearing and how you do that. To how you do that. <clears throat> Could be a very touchy subject. A lot of the ladies. There's a lot of things with ladies, it seems like, that are like, like opposite, you know, can you give them a bottle? Or do you have to breastfeed? You know, all these things, and they're kind of like that. They become very uh, serious things and, and over the top and, and pushed on people. Schooling. Um, seems to be aimed a lot at the, at the children. Anything else? Availability to uh, like schedule availability, helping sometimes it can just be a little like just be here, that sort of thing. Ah. Should you bring your sick kid to church? <laughs> yeah, well that's a good one. <laughs> he brought their sick kids to church. I can't believe that.
They're always gone. Every time they say they're a little sick, they're not here. You know? Those are things like can, can really just start to all of a sudden get opposite ends. And, but what is the lesson telling us to do there? How do we handle? How are we to handle those things? Peaceably with all men. <laughs> just looking over some things. Sometimes people just need room to grow. God'll God'll teach him something. Um, any other thoughts? Yeah, there's usually some kind of good. And what people are saying, you can kind of focus in on, on that, that part. You can agree with some people on at least a certain part of things, even if you disagree, maybe on a whole. You just don't need to go there because that's an argument. But you can appreciate where they're coming from sometimes. Nothing wrong with that. That's kind of a seeking peace in that. I think people, when they see you, especially the outside, when you when you're not making wars and and jamming things down people's throat, but they see your actions, they see your care, they see your love. They're more drawn to grow in Christ and more drawn to to listen. Um, anything else? Anybody wants to share? All right. So, what are some things we can do this week? Send a text, talk to somebody. Just when it comes to your mind. See, I think a lot of times <coughs> learning to follow the Spirit is, is being sensitive to that still quiet voice that we just skip over sometimes. You know, that thought comes, uh, you know, oh, that, that thing that John did, was that was, that was pretty cool. But we don't voice it. When the Holy Spirit's trying to say, tell him. That was pretty cool what he did. Um, it's edifying. But a lot of times that's clammed up. Sometimes it's just looked over and it's just going through because we're busy in life. And sometimes we need to see when we, I think that's a tool of the devil to get us so busy. And I, I know every one of us here, I, people are so busy today. You know, we got this to do, that to do, this to do, that to do. And I think that takes us away from these little things that are so important to do to build one another up. The world knows it. I don't know if you've noticed, but like when you get on the phone, you know they're trained. And it feels really good. It's like edification training. They're, they're, the world's looking, taking a page out of God's book and using it to make money with. Because they know people are comfortable and just how they how they talk to you, and you know it's scripted, you know, but, it, but they're really good at it. It feels really good. It's still, there's nothing wrong with it. It feels, feels good. How can they do it and we not do it? So we, you know, beyond the point of flattery and getting over the top, when that Holy Spirit says something to you, be sensitive to it and then do something with it. All right, any last comments or thoughts burning in your hearts? on this subject. All right, let's pray. Father, 
We thank you again for this reminder that we are to build one another. We're to be unified in our church. And we need to follow your word together. And we're people who make mistakes. And each one of us fall into that category. And so we appreciate when people just love us and look over some things. And so, Father, help us to, uh, to seek peace, to edify one another, to build one another in the faith, to build other people, well, God, that they might be softened to hear and be attracted to the Word of God. And so, Father, we need your help in this area. Help us this week to apply this in our lives, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.